Certainly appreciate the invitation to be with you this week in this gospel meeting. I'll have more to say about what we'll be talking about throughout the course of the meeting before uh, the lesson during the worship period. I want to get right into the lesson this morning as we talk about a very familiar passage to all of us, and that's the passage found in the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew and in verse 12, where the Lord said in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. It is a text that has been identified by the title, The Golden Rule. So far as I know, that that description is not found anywhere in the New Testament, though in a very similar passage in the book of James, as he talks about the responsibility to love one another, he talks about the royal law. But while many people understand or can quote the golden rule, very few probably live by that principle and truly understand all that's included in it. And so let's talk, uh, talk for a few moments this morning about that rule, understanding first of all the rule itself, then I want to talk about the context in which it's found both in Matthew's account and then in Luke's account, and then we'll talk about making some application of that golden rule to you and I today. Well, let's begin by getting that rule in front of our minds. In Matthew chapter 7 and in verse 12, Matthew's account says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The New American Standard Translation says that in everything, treat people, therefore treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. The New Living Translation, though it's somewhat different, says, In everything treat others as you want them to treat you, for this fulfills the law and the prophets. Luke's account, in a parallel account, renders it this way. He said, And just as you want men to do to you, do also to them likewise. Other translations make it clear that he's talking about treating others the same way that you want them to treat you, or the Home and Christian Standard Bible just simply says, treat as you want others to do to you, do the same to them. And so we're all familiar with both of those passages, probably more familiar with Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 7. But as we see what that rule requires of us, let's understand, first of all, the rule is not that we treat others like they treat us. There are many that when they think about the golden rule that they think about treating others in the same way that they've been treated by others. You may even hear somebody say sometimes, well, they did that to me, so I'm going to do that back to them. But this rule is not that we treat others in the same way that they treat us. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 24 and in verse 29, the proverb writer says, Do not say, I will do to him as he's done to me. I will render to the man according to his works. In other words, how many people quote the golden rule? The wise man Solomon says, no, don't say that. Don't say I'm going to do to others like they have done unto me. You also see that in Matthew chapter 5 and 38 to 42, where the Bible talks about if someone slaps you on the cheek, you don't slap them back, but rather you turn to them the other cheek. So the golden rule is not, when we look at that text, treat others in the way that they treat us. Furthermore, the golden rule is not treat others as they as we think they deserve to be treated. You ever have somebody say maybe about someone, well, they don't deserve to be treated in that way. They don't deserve kindness. 
They don't deserve perhaps mercy or, or uh, hospitality or other things extended toward them. What have they done to deserve that? Well, the golden rule is not only that I don't treat people like they treat me, it is also that I don't treat, it's not that I treat people like I think they deserve to be treated. And it is not that I treat my friends as they treat me. In fact, I think we'll see as we look at the context of each of those passages that the broad, that the golden rule applies in every relationship beyond those that are our friends or our family our close associates of us. In fact, if we only treat those that treat us well by the golden rule, we're really no different than the people of the world are. And so the rule is we treat people like we want to be treated. For this, the Bible says, is the law and the prophets. What does that mean? When he talks about treating others like we want to be treated because this is the law and the prophets, what does that statement mean? Well, I think it's very similar to other statements that are found in the New Testament. For example, in Matthew chapter 22, in verse 34 through verse 40, we have on what is the day of controversy. It's Tuesday during the final week of the life of Christ. And all of our Lord's enemies are sort of taking their turns, asking questions of the Lord, hoping that they can trip him up and entrap him in some word that they might criticize him. Well, one of the questions that they come to ask in Matthew chapter 22 is what is the great commandment of the law? And I suppose they thought the Lord would pick out some commandment and give them that commandment. And then they would take that as an opportunity to criticize the Lord. If he said, well, the greatest commandment is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, they would have said, now you're saying that's more important then than not committing adultery. Or if he said, well, now here's the commandment, this is the top commandment, don't commit adultery. They said, so you're saying that's more important than not worshiping, or than worshiping idols. So anyway he went, they thought they had him on the horns of a dilemma. But Jesus, showing great wisdom in how he answered, said the great commandment of the law is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And he said, the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. So you've got these two great principles. The principles are, you love God and you love your neighbor. And he said, on these two principles hang all the law and the prophets. Let me say what that passage is not saying. I said in the Bible class one time, I said in more than one Bible class like this, where someone said, well now, what he's saying is that sometimes loving God and loving God, we've got to disregard another commandment. And so that the, the principle of love sort of has to overrule everything else. So sometimes, maybe the loving thing to do is, I'm not going to assemble on the Lord's day. Or maybe the, 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 I look at the law on divorce and remarriage and I realize that in order to love the Lord, I've got to divorce for an unscriptural cause. But here this overriding principle overrules everything else. I've got to love God. Is that what the Lord is saying in Matthew chapter 22? No. That's not all what he's saying. What he's saying is you've got these two principles and every other law sort of falls under one of those categories. When you look back at the old law, don't take the Lord's name in vain of the Sabbath day or sacrifices or no other gods. He's not saying, well, now sometimes in loving God, that, that the, or the commandment to love God is more important than all those other things. What he's saying is loving God encompasses all those other qualities, all those other commandments. 
The second is like unto it, love your neighbor. What about laws like we don't kill, we don't commit adultery, we don't covet, we don't slander? Well, he's not saying again here, loving your neighbor is more important than the command to not to commit adultery. What he's saying is the command to not to commit adultery is falls under the category of loving your neighbor. These two principles really encompass all the law and the prophets. So over in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22, when he said this is the law and the prophets, really he's saying the same thing that Paul said in Galatians 5 and verse 14. Galatians 5 and in verse 14, when he said all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We'll come back to Galatians 5 and that. But what he's saying is here's really the command or the word love that really encompasses all the commands and all the responsibilities we have toward our fellow man and the law. So when he says you treat others the way you want to be treated, this is the law and the prophets, he's really saying this really sums up all the responsibilities that are found in the law relative to one another. Same thing in Romans 13 and verses 8 through verse 10. So we have the law. It's easy to understand that we treat others the way we want to be treated. Or to word it another way, we love our neighbor as we love ourselves because that encompasses all that God required under the old law. Paul makes the same statement relative to the new law in Galatians 5.13, Romans 13. But not only do I think I appreciate something about the golden rule, when I understand the text itself and what it is saying, But when I look at a passage in its context, that helps me to appreciate the importance of this golden rule. The golden rule is found in Matthew's account in the midst of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount encompasses Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew chapter 7. And if I was going to outline the Sermon on the Mount This is what the the outline of the Sermon on the Mount would probably look like. We have in chapter 5 and 1 to 16 the description of citizens in the kingdom or citizenship in the kingdom as he talks about their character and as he talks about their influence. Then beginning in chapter 5 and verse 17 through chapter 7 and in verse 12, and what is the bulk of the sermon, I believe he's describing the righteousness that is going to be required of those in the kingdom. It is a righteousness that is a righteousness that is going to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Then, of course, he wraps it up with a, an invitation in chapter 7. But come back to this main point in chapter 5 and verse 17 through chapter 7 and in verse 12. Chapter 5 and verse 17 through chapter 7 and in verse 12, he tells us that this righteousness in the kingdom harmonizes with the Old Testament It's not contrary to it. It fulfills the law and the prophets. He didn't come to destroy the law. It exceeds that of the righteousness in the Pharisees, not in quantity, but in quality. He's saying here that it goes deeper than that surface righteousness that the scribes and the Pharisees practiced. You're familiar with that whole section where he talks about, you've heard it said of old, but now I'm saying unto you. It has to be deeper in quality. It's not mere outward righteousness, but it's real inward change and inward righteousness. And he talks about our righteousness in relation to God in chapter 6 and then in relationship to man in chapter 7. 
So what do I know about the golden rule? Well, when I see it in its context in Matthew chapter 7, I know the golden rule is part of my righteousness that is required in the kingdom. You want to be righteous? You want to stand right before God? You want the righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees? Then you have to live by the golden rule. But it's also in that context about my relationship to my fellow man. What does God require of us in our connection with how we treat one another? Well, Matthew chapter 7 tells us in relationship that we don't judge hypocritically. Judge not that you be not judged. And we treat others the way that we want to be treated. In other words, here's my responsibility toward my fellow man, at least as it's summed up here in the Sermon on the Mount. So I, I don't judge hypocritically. I take care of myself first. And then I can see clearly to take the speck from my brother's eye. But I treat my neighbor like I want to be treated. So my relationship to my, to, to my fellow man is inseparable from my relationship to God. If I want to be righteous, I've got to live by that golden rule. It's the context in which that's found. But I think it's also interesting to look down at what he says in verse 12. When he says, therefore, whatever you would that men do to you, do you even so to them. Perhaps if you read through the Sermon on the Mount for the first time, and you think, okay, we're talking about our relationship to man. Why in the midst of that Sermon on the Mount, talking about my relationship to my fellow man, does in verse 7, he starts talking about asking it shall be given you, seeking you. Why is he talking about God giving good gifts to us in the midst of the context, talking about my relationship to my fellow man? I always tell everybody when, when we're studying a passage in Bible class, when I get to the word therefore, I always in my Bibles, electronic, other market, have a little error and it goes backwards. It says, look back at what's just been said. There's a connection that's there. And what he says in the verses prior to this is, look, God has been good to you. You ask and it's going to be given. You seek and you shall find. Listen, you, as parents, we give good gifts to our children. We don't ever do anything that's, that is intentionally harmful to our children. Nobody takes a snake, for example, and says, here, go play with this. Knowing that it's going to harm them. We give good things to our children. We may make mistakes sometimes, but we always have their welfare in mind. Well, the point he's making is if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children... How much more does he say, will your fathers in heaven give good things to those that ask him? So he talks about God giving good things to us. He's talking about how God has treated us. And then he said in verse 12, therefore, that is in light of what I just said about God's treatment of you, you do good to other people. There's a connection there. So when I put that in its context, it's about being righteous in God's kingdom. It's about a righteousness that is deeper than just the surface outward righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. It is a righteousness that comes out of the heart. My relationship to my fellow man affects my relationship to God and what motivates me or should motivate me to live by this golden rule we'll talk about in a moment is what God has done for me. One other thing before we talk about the application itself and that is let's go to Luke's account in Luke chapter 6 and verse 31. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 31, Luke's account we're not near as familiar with as we are Mark's account, I mean, or Matthew's account. When he said in verse 31, And just as you want men to do to you, do you also to them likewise. Well, what's being said in this passage, the verses that surround this passage, I think tell us 
a lot about this golden rule. The paragraph begins in verse 27, and it goes all the way through verse 36. And this is what he says in the passage. In verse 27 through verse 30, he talks about loving your enemies and doing good to those that hate you and blessing those that curse you and pray for those that spitefully use you and abuse you. If he strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic, he said either. So what's he saying? What he's saying here is you love your enemies. When people mistreat you, you treat them the right way regardless. That's what he says before the golden rule of Luke 6 and verse 31. Then in the verses that follow, he talks about you love more than those that love you. Verse 32 said, but, there's a term of contrast, it's really in contrast to the golden rule, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those that love him, or that love them. If you're only kind, or those that are kind to you, or those that love you, really what is setting you apart from the world. Not only do we love more than those that love us, he talks in verse 35 about how God is kind God is kind to the great ungrateful and to the evil. Love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, for you will be sons of the Most High, for He's kind to the unthankful and the evil. So He says, you do good. Let's look at God. He, in His example, He's done kindness toward even the ungrateful and the evil, and your goal is to be merciful like God is merciful. That's your goal. You're seeking to be more and more like God. You know, that as a Christian, that's what we're seeking to be. We're, we're made after the image of God or conformed to His image. Well, God, He said, is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. He's merciful, therefore you be the same way. So you look at the context of Luke's account, and what he's pointing out is how we treat those who are not kind toward us. So we know the rule. The rule is treat others the way we want to be treated. And we know in the context about righteousness in Matthew's account, and particularly in Luke's account, is found in the midst of verses that are talking about how we treat others that are not treating us the right way. So let's make some application. What do we learn then as we look at that text and the context? What lessons of application do you and I need to make from that golden rule and to see whether or not we're truly living by those principles. Well, let me say, first of all, one of the first lessons I learn as I read through the golden rule is my motivation for applying the golden rule is God's goodness toward us. Somebody might say, well, now, why should I treat somebody like an enemy with kindness? Why should I, as Romans chapter 12 would say, do good to them? Why should I treat them? And they've done nothing to deserve that kind of treatment. Well, when I look back at Matthew chapter 7, the Lord doesn't argue that I treat them the way I want to be treated because they deserve it or because I'm indebted to them in any way, but rather He says, look at what God has done for you. That should motivate you then to be kind toward those that don't deserve it. In fact, when we go through the New Testament, we go through the New Testament. The Bible, I think, emphasizes in more than one passage, more than one passage, the fact that we did not deserve the treatment that God extended toward us. In Titus chapter 3, do you remember in verse 2, Titus chapter 3, 
And in verse 2, he said that we're to speak evil of no one. We're to be peaceable and gentle and showing all humility toward all men. So how do we treat others? Well, he said we treat others. We don't speak evil of them. That doesn't mean we don't expose their sin. But we treat we show we're peaceable. We are gentle. We show courtesy, one translation says, toward all men. Well, why do we do that? He says in verse 3, We ourselves were also once foolish and disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. This is how we lived. We were sinners too, separated from the Lord. But verse 4 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. He said, in spite of what we had done, God extended his kindness toward us. And verse 5, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. That doesn't mean we don't have to obey. What that means is there's nothing we have done to deserve that. And we, God was not indebted to us in any way to extend his kindness toward us. And yet he did. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is in light of what God did for you, then you treat others in the right way. What's my motivation for living by the golden rule? It's not what others do to me. It is God's kindness and God's goodness toward us. In Romans chapter 5, Paul reminded the audience there, in Romans chapter 5, that God sent his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so God is kind to the good and to the evil. That is, he doesn't extend the spiritual blessings toward them, but he's kind toward them. And he's saying, you need to be more like your fathers. Your father in heaven is perfect. You also be perfect. So the application I learned is when I'm struggling with this golden rule, my motivation is to remember God's kindness toward me. But I tell you something else I learn in the text is I learn about the breadth of the golden rule. And that is it applies in our treatment of everyone. Treat others or treat men the way you want to be treated. In fact, there's no one really outside the reach of the golden rule, is there? There's nobody that the golden rule does not apply in our treatment toward them. It applies, as we've already said, not just to friends, but even to our enemies. It would apply, for example, inside the home. Sometimes when we think about the golden rule, maybe we're guilty not just of of limiting it when we think, well, those are our enemies. But we can be guilty of thinking, well, I've got to treat others the way that I want to be treated. But we don't think about the application of the golden rule, for example, within the walls of the home. That the golden rule would apply there. It applies in my relationship to my wife. In fact, isn't that what Paul said in Ephesians 5 and verse 28 to the husband? When he said husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, but down in verse 33, he said love your wife as what? Yourself. That's the principle, that's the great, uh, the second great commandment, isn't it? It applies in the home relationship, the golden rule. No, the golden rule is not that complicated. Sometimes I've told my kids, as they were going out, is that the way you'd want to be treated? Well, no, that is pretty simple, isn't it? Then I'm going to treat the other person. I'm not going to treat the other person that way. Sometimes I tell brethren that. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Is that the way you'd want somebody to treat you? Well, if you don't want to be treated that way, then don't treat somebody else that way. It's not a complicated rule, though sometimes we have trouble living by it. 
And it needs to be the basis by which we conduct ourselves in the, in the home. We apply the golden rule in our communication in the home. I don't know about you. I don't like angry words spoken toward me. I don't like, I don't like words spoken in bitterness or hatred. So you know what the golden rule would say in the home in Proverbs 15 and verse 1? Proverbs 15 verse 1, not talking about the home, but what it says there is concerning uh, our words, is it said a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up strife. So when conflict arises, I say, well, how do I want to be treated? And then I treat my spouse the way I want to be treated. I would apply that in our communication in the home. It would apply in our respect in the home. Husbands are commanded, our wives are commanded to respect their husbands in Ephesians 5 and verse 33. But 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 7, husbands are to give honor unto the wives as unto the weaker vessel. We all like to be treated with honor and respect. We all, I tell people sometimes, particularly in talking about uh, wives that stay at home, I know what it's like sometimes to have a job that people don't think's work. You know, and sometimes when people treat you that way, you know, you, you, it, it can create bitterness. Certainly you don't appreciate that. Well, then if I don't like to be treated that way, you know what I do? I shouldn't treat somebody else that way, whether it's the wife in the home or whether it is someone else in my respect that I give. I need to live by the golden rule in the purity in the marriage relationship. First Corinthians 7 and in verse 2. Talks about, first of all, in rendering due benevolence to the mate. We'll talk about a little bit about that in the next hour. We're going to talk about four principles from Proverbs 5 that relate to marriage. But in the purity, I, I see that her needs are met because I want her to meet my needs in that particular area of the marriage relationship. Not only that, Matthew chapter 5 talks about whoever lust after a woman, uh, whoever looks at a woman to lust after hath committed adultery already in his heart. And so if I don't want someone to look at my wife in a way that, you, that I don't treat somebody else's wife that way. Furthermore, I'm going to try to keep purity of mind in the marriage relationship. You know why? Well, the Bible demands it in Matthew 5, 28. Demands it in other passages, but the golden rule would demand that. The golden rule would demand that. What about the patience that's given in In Matthew In Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Now sometimes I think that there, we talk about building successful marriages and, and sometimes I've done, several times over the last year, I've had to go sit down with premarital counseling and I'll talk to a couple before they, before they get married. Sometimes I think we limit too much the passages we use in premarital counseling. What I mean by that is we think, okay, we've got, we've got 1 Corinthians 7 over here, and I've got to touch on Matthew chapter 19 over here. Now, 1 Peter chapter 3, now that touches on the marriage relationship. And we need to talk about all those passages, but we don't think about the fact, you know what, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 applies in the marriage relationship too. So it is Ephesians chapter 5 and 26 and 27 that talks about the bitterness and the wrath and the pain. That applies in the marriage relationship too. And so we have all these passages that really relate back to that great principle of the golden rule that says, I'm going to treat my spouse the way I want to be treated. I'm going to treat her the way I want her. my needs met. I'm going to meet her needs in that area. So the golden rule applies to every, it applies in the home. 
But I tell you what, the golden rule doesn't just apply in the home. It applies to my brethren. That I'm going to treat others by the golden rule. In fact, in the book of Galatians chapter 5, it seems to me that the Apostle Paul applies that principle directly to our relationship to one another. He said, brethren, you have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity to the flesh, but through love serve one another. So we're talking about our relationship to each other. And then he said in verse 14, For all the law is fulfilled, even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So no matter our relationship with one another, here's what he says. He said, remember this principle, you love your neighbor as yourself, which is really the golden rule. And he says, that applies in your relationship to one another. So how do I apply that golden rule in my relationship to each other? Well, let's say I apply that golden rule, first of all, by rebuking and correcting one another. Now, as I apply the golden rule, I do that with the right attitude. So I sometimes ask myself, what would I want somebody to do to me if I was in sin? If I was separated from God, if I was lost, what would I want somebody to do to me? Would I want them to ignore that? Would I want them to sort of say, well, now he knows better than that and just, just leave me to myself? Or would I want them to point that out to my attention that I might make some correction in my life? Well, I tell you, if I'm astray, if I've wandered from the Lord, then what I want is I want somebody to point that out to my attention, don't you? I want somebody to tell me what I need to know. So what that means is the golden rule would demand that I rebuke and I correct because that's what I want done to me. Now I want them to do it with the attitude described in passages like James chapter 5 or Galatians chapter 6 in the spirit of meekness. But I also wanted them to show that kindness toward me. Psalm 141 in verse 5, talking about rebuke, uh, David said with regard to that, he said, let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness, and let him rebuke me, it shall be excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it, for still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. So I'm going to treat the, I'm going to apply the golden rule when it comes to respect, uh, respect, uh, rebuking and correcting one another. I'm going to apply the golden rule when it comes to showing hospitality. I wish I, I had a dollar for every time I've heard this complaint on the other side of the, the line, where somebody will call me and say, sometimes they've decided they're going to go somewhere else, or at least they're making the threat they're going to. And they'll say something like, you know what, I just don't think that we're probably as close as we need to be. As a con- we need to be more hospitable. We, we need, to, we need to, to open up our homes to one another. And my response back invariably is always this, when was the last time you did that? When was the last time you showed hospitality? When was the last time you extended kindness? And oftentimes the answer is, well, I haven't done that in a long time. Here's my point. If that's what you're wanting, then what should you do? Then you need to treat others the same way. By the way, one reason, one of the biggest ways we make a difference, I think, in terms of our impact upon others is not just by the words we say, but by the example we set. And John 13, one of the passages that stands out in our mind where our Lord had got down on his knees and washed the feet of the disciples. If you put all the accounts together, the disciples had been arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus had been trying to drive home the point, you've got to be willing to serve another. And Jesus had rebuked them on more than one occasion for that. I believe when Jesus got 
down on his knees and he washed their feet. He was trying to set an example for them that they were going to remember, even far beyond the words that he might have said, that here the Son of God was willing to serve. You want hospitality shown towards you? Then show it toward others. You want people to call you when you're sick? Then check on others. You want people to help you when you're in need? Then you've got to be willing to do that to others. Isn't that the golden rule that I treat others the way I want to be treated? It applies in my relationship to my brethren. It sometimes applies by my just being willing to listen or by not by abiding and devouring one another, as Paul would say in Galatians 5 and in verse 15. After he talked about that principle that you shall love your neighbors as yourself, he said, but, there's been that word contrast here, it's opposite. If you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. What is he saying? When brethren are biting at one another and devouring one another, what that means is there's an absence of love. It means somebody's not living by the principle of Matthew 7, 12. They're not treating others the way they want to be treated. They would apply it in my relationship to the lost. We've already noted the passage over in Titus chapter 3. And in verses 1 through verse 8, how active are you in trying to share the gospel with others? Now, we can sometimes do all we can, and, and sometimes people are not interested in the gospel. But how often are we trying to share the gospel with our friends and our neighbors and our lost family members? What would you want somebody to do to you or for you if you were lost? If you didn't want to know, if you didn't know the truth, wouldn't you want somebody to teach you the truth? Wouldn't you want somebody to try to, to tell you what you needed to do in order to become a child of God that you might be saved? Certainly there's nobody present here this morning that said, well, no, if I was lost, I just want to stay there. I wouldn't want somebody to try to tell me what I need to know. And yet, oftentimes, we don't try to do what we can in trying to share the gospel with others. We're too concerned about making somebody angry or alienating a friend as opposed to telling them what they needed to know. I always think about this. If I go to a doctor and I've got something wrong with me, I want the doctor to tell me. I don't want him just to say, well, now everything's fine, just go on. Because that doesn't change a thing. We had a lady in one congregation I preached at, she had a, uh, a spot on her lung, and she went for months to the doctors, and the doctors looked at it and said, there's nothing there. And she said, there's something wrong, I know it. And they said, there's nothing there. And they kept telling her everything was all right. Guess what? Everything wasn't all right. And as she went home and, she, and the doctors gave her that clean bill, they they missed something. And by the time they did figure it out, it was too late to do anything about it. But here's the point. Them giving her good news didn't change anything, did it? That cancer was still working. And that's ignoring our friends that are lost or trying to tell them something that are not telling the truth because we're afraid we'll alienate them. That doesn't change a thing about their spiritual status. The golden rule is if I wanted somebody to share the gospel with me, I'm going to share it with them. It applies to my relationship at home. It applies to my relationship... Uh, in the church, it applies in my relationship to the lost. It even applies in my relationship with my enemies. In Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, what about somebody that has mistreated us? What about somebody that has done us wrong? Well, notice over in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 17. He said, Repay no one evil for evil but have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That, that implies, by the way, it's not always possible. 
It's not always possible because peace requires two parties. And sometimes one party doesn't want to have peace. But he goes on to say, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I'll repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy's hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know what the Apostle Paul is applying in Romans chapter? It's really the golden rule in Matthew chapter 7 and in verse 12. And so it's one of the first memory verses we sometimes teach our children. Remember the golden rule? Whatever you would that men do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. It's easy to understand. Though I'd have to admit, sometimes it's not always easy to live by. We, we, We sometimes fail in that. But I must do that. Why? Because it's part of my righteousness, the context tells me that. It applies to all men. It applies in every relationship. And ultimately, my soul's salvation depends on me living by this principle in Matthew 7 and in verse 12. The golden rule. It will enhance your life. It will make for better relationships. But most of all, it's what God demands of us. Appreciate so very much your kind attention here this morning.